Today we have with us Dr. Wakas Al-Sadiq, founder and CEO of Biotricity, which trades on the NASDAQ under the ticker BTCY. Wakas, you have a very interesting background. You've worked for IBM at high-level positions, AMD. Let's start today with your giving us a brief background on yourself and Biotricity. For sure. So, you know, I'm an engineer by training uh, and did a lot of work in the, you know, sensors and monitoring uh, world uh, for really environments. And that was kind of the, you know, bulb that, you know, sprung this idea of that the future for me, or at least how I saw it at the time, was that it was going to be in individuals monitoring themselves, collecting data on ourselves. And so I kind of unpacked that and said that I'm going to build a company around that, but really what am I going to target? What is the challenge that we're facing? And certainly we see that care is moving into the home and as we live our lives, we're consuming uh, as, as a part of our life um, with telehealth and telemedicine and uh, monitoring devices and fitness solutions. But the number one killer in the world is still heart disease. And so Biotricity was founded on this principle and this idea that we're going to go and build a platform to really monitor and support a patient for the entire cardiac journey, from diagnosing them all the way to disease management. And that's really what we've done over the past few years. We started out by building a smart diagnostic cardiac monitor, which analyzes your ECG and can transmit it uh, in case of an emergency. And now we've moved into the disease management piece of it, which is once you've diagnosed the patient and figured out what's going on, how do you help support them throughout their cardiac journey? Wakas, your expanding product ecosystem increased the company's total addressable market from $1 billion to $35 billion in 2023. I want you to describe uh, this uh, medical device, this monitoring device in detail and how it works. Excellent question. So let me unpack that a little bit. So our first product uh, is that smart cardiac monitor. And the workflow for that is really, we provide the device to the cardiologist. You come in, you're complaining about something, some chest pain. They don't know what's going on. They put this device on you. They send you home. It's recording and analyzing your data. If it detects an emergency, it'll transmit it to the doctor so that they can deal with the situation. And if not, the device is brought back and the doctors can share the results with you and, and make a decision based on whether or not they were able to diagnose you with the condition or not. And then that device is cleaned up and it's put onto the next patient. And so the device itself is a, is a smart cardiac monitor, but it's it's also combined with this whole cloud ecosystem, which is actually collecting that data and, and providing that to the physician. All of this is insurance reimbursable. So the doctor can uh, place this device on you, diagnose you, they bill your insurance, your insurance pays for it, it doesn't cost the patient anything. And it's a rotational device, right? It's put on patient A, they come back, they clean it up, and then they put it onto patient B. And in terms of our TAM for that product, it's a billion dollar TAM. And that's the product that we launched with, and that's our flagship. And what we saw was from our customers was that these patients, after they've been diagnosed, well, now they're being managed um, you know, on medications. They're being managed for chronic disease management. Every year they're back uh, to see if their baseline has changed. And what we found was that all of those uh, products and all those aspects of managing the patient were all different companies. So really the patient's data was living in all of these other places. And so since we were already with the cardiologist and since we already uh, enable them by providing them a technology platform that, that they could bill for and create a revenue stream, we, uh, in response to their questions, we built out the rest of the product ecosystem, which is that secondary piece, which is saying, 
okay, now I've diagnosed you. How do I manage your medications? How do I uh, uh, manage you from a, you know, every three months to check in with you? How do I check your baseline year over year? And we built that platform. All of those pieces are also insurance reimbursable, but they are additive markets and they're being sold into our existing customers. So if you think about biotricity for, you know, we launched our product and then for the first few years, we were really focusing on this diagnostic market. And then our customers came in and they said, well, can you do what you've done for diagnostics for the rest of the life cycle of that patient? And so we built that out. But those uh, different markets and those different products are additive, right? It's a vertical strategy to our horizontal strategy of continuing to open up more cardiology centers uh, to use our products. So this technology really is at the intersection of big data, AI, and, and machine learning, because there is a big data play here because you're collecting so much data on so many patients. Now, today you have three of the biggest healthcare purchasing organizations in the country that are using your platform. So you have uh, 2,500 subscribers today, but uh, you've been increasing revenues fairly dramatically, double digits. Your margins have improved dramatically as well. So it appears to me that you really are on the cusp of reaching some major corporate milestones. So let's elaborate, not so much on the technology, but on how you continue and how you've continued to drive this double digit revenue growth. Excellent points. And, and I think, you know, I'll, I'll answer that in two different ways, right? So revenue growth for us, really, we have that traditional sales force that's going in feet on the ground and selling. Uh, and then what we've done is we've married that with uh, relationship with distribution and group purchasing organizations. We really spent 2023 building those relationships out. So 2024, we're really going to see that, uh, you know, come to fruition where it essentially allows our sales force to become more efficient because more people can open up the door and they can go in and close. The second part of your question, you're talking about margin improvement and efficiency. And we've really used technology and automation and really understanding how our workflows are working, how our customers are working. And that's enabled not only for us to make our customers more efficient, but also ourselves. And that's helped us maintain and even improve our margins. I want to talk about your debt structure, because when an investor looks at your company, he sees a stock that's come down uh, from $3 to, to under a dollar today, trading at only a half a time's revenue. You did about $11 million in revenue. You're trailing $11 million in revenue now. I know you're projecting much higher revenue uh, for 2024, but investors will see a, uh, some debt. And I think we should explain that debt because a lot of that debt is held by very close investors, family offices, billion dollar family offices that know you, know your technology. And I think it's important for investors to understand how this debt is structured. Yeah, but, absolutely. The, the debt is structured in two different ways, right? So we have debt from family offices and like you said, investors that have been like the first money into the company. They have participated in every equity round and they're really uh, sitting there as uh, a, a financier and a supporter of the organization. Um, and that debt will convert over into equity uh, based on the company's decision and not opposed to the investors. So we have a right on determining whether or not, uh, when and how that, that converts. And in terms of the, the other debt that we have, we have a plain vanilla, you know, 
term debt, right? Which is really there to facilitate financing of inventory because we're a subscription model, right? So we provide the hardware to our customers, they pay us a monthly fee, and to really manage dilution and, and not sell out a chunk of the company to basically finance doctors' medical devices, we, we've got this you know term debt. So those are the two pieces of debt. And I think the other thing that's important to understand is that we are six months away from EBITDA positive, even maybe less than that. Um, we will be break even and profitable by the end of the year. And so, you know, our investors are, are, are huge supporters. And then the, the debt partner for us is, uh, is, is really happy with, with the trajectory that the company is on. Uh, because, you know, as long as uh, we continue to perform, which we have been over the last year, we, and, and margins improve, uh, costs come down, uh, revenue growth, based on that trajectory that we've already shown a track record of, uh, all of this is is very uh, well managed and in control of the company. Thank you for that answer. I think that's very helpful to investors. You know, when investors look at your stock, once again, they're seeing a stock that's trading only a half times revenue. We see comps trading at five to six times revenue. Your margins have improved greatly. You're on the cusp of, of reaching uh, EBITDA uh, positive. What is the essential value proposition for investors today in your mind? Why should they take an interest and perhaps start positioning uh, today? You know, I think you almost answered it in, in, in the way you asked the question. And when you look at an organization today and everybody's talking about, you know, the smaller uh, companies really going through a tough time. But if you take the last year that we've done, right, we went from, you know, margins of 56 percent to 69 percent. Right. We had top line revenue growth. We had. Uh, costs on a quarterly basis go from, you know, a, a negative uh, $4 uh, million EBITDA all the way down to two, million, uh, two and a quarter uh, million dollars in, in EBITDA. And that trend is continuing. So when you're looking for an asset or a company, you want to look at somebody who has a track record of performing, who is improving top line revenue, but also maintaining margins. In this case, we're even improving margins, right? And controlling costs or managing costs so that they're scaling in the same line. In our case, the costs are going down. And so if you have that, then like you said, you have an opportunity of a company that should be really trading five or six times earnings. And the reality is we're not there. And in, in fact, we are actually performing better. And if there's, an, you know, when you talk about organizations, I'd say you probably find a handful of organizations that in one year were able to cut their cogs uh, and, and bring margins from 56% uh, uh, to 70% who are able to cut, you know, uh, uh, costs by half, right, while still maintaining revenue growth. That's a strong value proposition. You want to buy companies that are getting better, and you're clearly getting better on the cusp of reaching some, as we said earlier, major corporate milestones. Thank you so much, Wakas, for being with us today. Thank you.